Well, good morning, everybody. If uh, you have a Bible with you this morning, you can turn to 1 Corinthians. I know that's a shocker, isn't it, right there? Uh, We're continuing. Paul's still got good things to say, so we want to keep learning about him, right? So 1 Corinthians 10, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Uh, Whether you have a Bible or not, you're going to want to reach inside your celebration folder and pull out this uh, message note page. It's got the passages that we'll look at and uh, my outline and some things there. In fact, we've even filled the blanks in for you today. So if you want to just leave now, you know, you could beat the Methodists to lunch finally, you know, and but uh, keep it there. You can follow along and maybe I'll say something worthwhile that you can write in the margin or something if the Holy Spirit brings something specific to you. Uh, But we want to hear from God this morning. And uh, we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, down in, starting in verse 23. Paul says this, he says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Paul says, hey, we're free in Christ. We're not bound by rules and regulations, but that doesn't mean you should just go do anything and everything. You should think about it. You should evaluate. You should ask, hey, would this be a beneficial thing for me to do? Is this a constructive thing for me to do you know think about the impact that it'll have on other people and so he goes on verse 25 eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience for the earth is the lord's and everything in it see god isn't a legalistic god legalism is a man-made thing. See, a lot of people think, well, Christianity is is just a bunch of rules and regulations to restrict us. But you see, legalism was just invented by men who don't understand the cross. They think that what it's about is us having to do all these certain things in order to make ourselves right with God. But you know what? That is religion. Whether you think of Christianity, if that's what you think Christianity is, or put any other religion title in there, it's all about what we have to do to make ourselves right to this divine entity, to God. And if you're on that religion track this morning, I have some bad news and some good news for you. The bad news is that you can never do enough To make yourselves pleasing to a holy God. I don't care how many good things you do. You can't ever get to holy. See? And that's why Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. So that God would accept you through the righteousness of Jesus. That he provided for us. That he paid for us. On the cross. And that is the gospel. 
And I want to tell you, that is really good news, isn't it? And so because of Jesus' death, you're free. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, if you have accepted that payment that Jesus provided for us through his death on the cross, if you've bowed your knee to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are free. And so Paul goes on in the next verse and he says, So, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you, Without raising questions of conscience. You know, if you go on a missions trip, that's a good verse to know right there. You know, just eat it. Don't ask what it is. Don't get into any of that. Just eat it. Verse 28. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it. Both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. The other man's conscious i mean not yours for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience if i take part in the meal with thankfulness why am i denounced because of something i thank god for now the context is what he's been talking about for the last couple chapters this meat that's been offered in pagan worship been offered to idols but paul says hey you're free you're free But be loving about it. Be sensitive about it. See, to you, it's just bargain meat that's been offered to a stick of wood. You know? I mean, they would offer this meat in pagan sacrifice, then they'd sell it cheap. To you, it's just a bargain. But maybe for someone else, they can't get past the fact that it was used in pagan worship. So Paul says, have a brain. And have a heart about this. And then he goes on. And these are the verses I really want to lock in this morning. Starting with verse 31. Listen to what he says. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. That's the key verse. If you want want a verse to memorize. If you want a verse to think on this week make it verse 31 in fact let's let's say it together right now would you say it with me so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god let's do it one more time so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god paul goes on verse 32 do not cause anyone to stumble whether jews greeks are the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says here, in summary, be more concerned about God Getting the glory. Whatever it is that you do, do it for God's glory. That's what matters most. And so I think the question for us this morning is this. Is that what matters most 
for me? You know, we talk a lot about God's glory around here. But, you know, that's just such an ambiguous phrase, isn't it? You know, do it for God's glory and make sure you're doing things for God's glory. And I don't know, I'm kind of a simple guy. I need it broken down a little bit more than that. And I think in these verses, I think Paul just helps us with some practical ways. In fact, I think there's three just very practical ways right here in these verses that Paul tells us how we can do whatever it is that we're doing to bring glory to God. So let's deal with that this morning, okay? Three ways that we bring God glory. Paul tells us right here in these verses. The first is this. We bring God glory when we live with sensitivity and grace. He says, verse 32, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. Man, live with sensitivity, with grace. You know, they regularly do these surveys of non-Christians, of people who don't go to church, people who wouldn't claim to be a follower of Jesus. And they ask them, what is it that you think it means to be a Christian? And um, a lot of different surveys, but in, in these surveys, there's always two things that are high at the top of the list. And here's what they are, of what they think it means to be a Christian. Number one, they hate homosexuals. And number two, they're against abortion. I mean, that, that, that's what most non-Christians think it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, obviously, abortion and homosexuality are hot-button issues. But doesn't it just sadden you to think that that's what people who don't know Jesus think that it means to be a Christian. And I was contrasting this in my mind with the example of the early church. That first century church, you know, after Jesus had died and, and been resurrected and Then there was the day of Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and that church that exploded, that first century and second and third century, that exploded across the world. You know, Christians were the ones who would take in the abandoned children. In that culture, people would just leave their kids on the street to die. If they had a girl and they wanted boys, they just left their babies out on the street for them to die. And it was the Christians who were known as the ones who would gather in these children and raise them like their own. It was Christians who served and gave of themselves even while they were being abused and used and taken advantage of. 
that in the midst of terrible persecution, and through those first three centuries, Christians were more persecuted than they weren't, more often than not. But even in the midst of persecution, it was Christians who refused to fight back. It was Christians who shared their food. Even though there was extreme famine, it was known that it was the Christians who would give anything and everything that they had to anyone else. It was Christians who did that. Third John chapter, or third John verses five and six says this, dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. And they have told the church about your love. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus didn't say they'll know that you're my followers because of your self-righteous stands. He said they'll know... Because of the love that you demonstrate. Now, I'm not talking here about compromising. Don't hear any of that. But I am talking about graciousness and sensitivity. Because let's be honest, we're all friends here, right? I mean, let's be honest. Christians can be some of the rudest most obnoxious people around. Isn't that true? Isn't it? And I think here's what Paul would say to us today. Is that God gets glory when we choose not to be that way. That when we're aware of how our actions impact others, God gets the glory for that. James Bryan Smith tells a story about a friend of his named Craig who um, was uh, flying somewhere on business with another business associate and, and um, their flight got postponed and then the flight got postponed again and postponed. I mean, it was hours later and finally at the end of the day they told him they weren't going to get to fly out until tomorrow. Not just him, but a whole bunch of people. And uh, that they were going to have to find their own arrangements for that night. And they would set them up to be able to fly out tomorrow. And uh, you could imagine people were upset. And uh, so they had to stand in line one after another. And Craig was standing in line. And one after another, man, they went off on that airline employee. And then when Craig got up there, Craig said to the lady, uh, Hey, first thing I would tell you is, I'm not going to be mean to you. And she said, thank you. And then he finished and, you know, he had to get his arrangements made and then go and he, his other business association was there, associate was there, and they said, man, you have changed. <laughs> and uh, Craig thought about it for a minute. He said, you know what? I think I have. See, if I'm honest... Man, I'm president of the Rude Club. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm quick-witted, quick-tongued. I can zing you like that. And I can't tell you how many times I've 
said things that later I thought, what, what is the matter with you, Jay? See, it's just so easy. But to temper ourselves for the sake of God's glory, man, that takes humility, doesn't it? It takes being selfless in a self-centered, focused-on-me-first kind of world. It takes God-consciousness to hold ourselves back for God's glory. You see, when we're gracious, when we're sensitive, when we're selfless, God gets glory. Well, Paul tells us a second thing right here. And that is, we bring God glory when we put others ahead of us. Paul keeps going in verse 33, and he says, For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many. So let me ask you, how, how good are you at putting other people ahead of yourself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of of others. This mom was making pancakes for her sons, Kyle, who was five, and Ryan, who was three, and, and the boys began to argue about who was going to get the first pancake. And the mom thought, oh, teaching opportunity. So she said, you know, boys, if Jesus were here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. And so Kyle looked at his brother, Ryan, and said, okay, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that just like us? See, we live in a me first world. What Paul says and what Jesus says is so radical in contrast to that. Listen to, to the story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 20. Verses 20 to 28, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. And she said, Well, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You know, just a little thing here. You know, just throughout eternity... How about my boys get to be your left and right hand man? What do you think? You know? And Jesus says, verse 22, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And we can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to set at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my father. Verse 24 says, when the, when the ten heard about this, 
they were indignant with the two brothers. You know why they were indignant, don't you? Because they didn't think of it first. You know, they didn't bring their moms, you know, to ask. Verse 25 says, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And then I have these next four words circled in my Bible. Jesus says, not so with you. But instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, servanthood doesn't sell big in a me-first culture, does it? But it's when we serve, it's when we put others ahead of ourselves that we're most like Jesus. And so let me ask you, how good of a servant are you? How good are you at putting others ahead of yourself in your thinking? I mean, think about your small group. You know, the, the small group that you're a part of, whether it's on Monday night or Wednesday night or Friday afternoon or whenever it is, when you go, is your mindset, hey, I'm here to get something? Or is your mindset, hey, I'm here to give? I'm not just talking to leaders. I'm talking to all of us. You know, do you see your role in that group as getting? Or is it laying down your life for those other people sitting around the circle that Zig Ziglar, who's one of the great communicators of our day, says this. If you go looking for a friend, you're going to find they're very scarce. But if you go out to be a friend, you'll find them everywhere. See, it's the difference between having a giving mindset or a getting mindset. I mean, when you came to church today, did you show up here thinking, hey, I'm here to get something or when you were in the car driving over here this morning were you praying god use me today help me to find somebody during that brother's keeper prayer time that i can really pray for or somebody that i can rub shoulders with that i can give a word to encourage them or or just hug them or whatever it is just to let them know that they're loved i mean did you come to give or to get See, when we put others ahead of ourselves, God gets glory. One more thing, and that's this. We bring God glory when we keep the mission of rescuing people from hell central. Paul says at the end of verse 33, so that they may be saved. You see, of primary port importance, according to Paul, is getting people saved. 
But you know, is, is, is that what's of primary importance to you? Now, I'm not saying we should all be fanatical witnessing machines, but I am saying the mission of rescuing people from hell should always be in front of us. Ted Haggard, before he became a joke punchline, uh, wrote a great book called Primary Purpose. He was pastoring a church in Colorado Springs, and and, uh, in this book, Primary Purpose, what Ted Haggard says is he said, we made it the mission of everybody in our church to make it hard to go to hell from Colorado Springs. So let me ask you, who is it that you are making it hard for them to go to hell? I mean, does it even cross your thinking? I mean, when you go into the Walmart, are you thinking, man, the does it, does it just grip you that the vast majority of these people are going to probably spend an eternity separated from God? I mean, does it? I mean, I know it doesn't for me. I mean, I'm thinking bread, eggs, milk. Bread, eggs, milk. And five minutes later, I'm standing there with bread and eggs thinking, what else was it? I know I'm supposed to bring something else home. I mean, when you go out and, and stand in your front yard, in fact, I challenge you to do that this week. You know, go out and stand in your front yard and look this way down the street. And then look this way up street and let it grip you that in all likelihood the majority of these people who live all around you will be separated from for all eternity in a place of unending torment in hell you know tomorrow we celebrate uh, columbus day um if you read the journals of Christopher Columbus, what you'll see over and over and over in his journals is that he was excited for this discovery of new lands and new places because he was driven by the mission of taking the gospel message to people who had never heard. Now, he was a discoverer. He was an explorer. His mission was financed by the king And so you did have to discover, you did have to replenish resources because the king wanted a return on his investment. But of primary importance to Christopher Columbus, it's all over his journals, was taking the gospel message to people who had never heard. But you didn't hear that in American history class, did you? But you see, when we make it our mission to rescue people from hell, God gets glory. Well, this chapter finishes out, and we roll a little bit over into chapter 11. You, know, you do realize those chapter and verse markings, Paul didn't put those in. Those came later by humans, you know, just so that we could find places in our Bibles. But the thought, he just continues the thought, and he wraps this up, and he says, follow my example is I follow the example of Christ. See, leaders lead by example. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, he says, live in such a way that God gets praised. Make sure that God is getting glory by the way that you live. By being sensitive and gracious to those around you. By being a servant. By putting other people ahead of yourself. And by being intentional about interrupting people's pathway to a Christless eternity. Well, let me close with this, uh, this story. It's really Janet's story. I didn't have any stories with good endings, you know, so I <laughs> used hers. But this really happened to her. She, um, she was going to get her digital pictures, you know, from her camera developed, and she normally goes to a particular drugstore, but she chose to go to this different drugstore uh, because she had a coupon for 20 pictures for 12 cents each. And uh, so she went in, and the first thing she did is she went to the gal who was at the photo counter with her coupon, and she said, hey, I got this coupon, and I just want to make sure that this works. I don't have to do anything else. It's not like I have to buy 3000 at the regular price, and then I can get 20 You know I mean? You know, just I can just get 20 right, for this? And the girl looks at her and says, yeah, sure, that's what it says. Get, you know, go ahead, get 20 pictures, 12 cents each. So uh, she goes about getting her pictures, and she goes up uh, to the counter to pay, and the girl says, uh, that'll be $7 and some odd cents. And Janet says, well, no, I mean, I got 20 pictures. Remember, I showed you the coupon, and we did all this before. And the girl says, oh, I guess I was wrong. That'll be $7 and whatever odd cents. And um, Janet said, I realized at that point that I had a decision to make. You know, she had been reading this passage, and she had been reading some other passages, and God had been speaking to her about how her impact, making sure that she didn't negatively impact people for the sake of the gospel. And so she said, I had a decision to make that for $5, was I going to be difficult here? And so she said, I, I decided God's blessed us. I can afford $5. I'll just pay the $7. And so she did. And she took her pictures and she went out the car. Now, uh, she had gotten 20 pictures because she's a teacher, and these were pictures of her students. She has 20 in her class, and so she had a picture of each student that she was going to put up on the bulletin board. And so she decided uh, while she was in the car to just look at the pictures, and she's looking at them, and she notices there's only 14 pictures here. And so she went in, and she says to the girl, oh, excuse me, um, you know, I just was in there, I got these 20 pictures, you know, and so forth, but I looked at my pictures, and there's only 14. And the girl says, oh, yeah, we ran out of paper. And Janet said, well, I'm a teacher, and there, you know, if I just put these 14 up, the other six will notice. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I mean, I really, need, I really need all 20. And the gal said to her, so you want me to run the other six then? And uh, Janet said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I really need you to. You know, long sigh. <sighs> you know, and... and um, you know, I'm going to have to change the paper, you know, and, 
And um, Janet said, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I, you know, I really need all 20 pictures. And, and uh, so, you know, another hour later, Janet gets her pictures and she thanks the girl profusely and she leaves. Now, uh, why did I tell you that story? Is it because everybody who works at the photo counter is a moron? I don't know. That's, that's not it. Because <laughs> that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, the reason why I told you that story is, is just this. Stay with me here. You know, it's easy to say we want to live for God's glory. But it's a whole other thing to actually do it, isn't it? To live in such a way that God gets the glory. Janet said, I just knew this. I felt like God was saying to me, if this woman ever comes to church, I don't want her to see me there and disregard the message because of the way I was about it. Now, I'm not saying you have to run around and let everybody, you know, cheat out of five bucks. I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying this. You know, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us this morning, is that we would be a people who live in such a way that we bring God glory. And so I would just invite you to, to look in the mirror this morning. I mean, to evaluate yourself as you kind of think back on your past week or, or the past month or how you usually are with people. I mean, would they categorize you as someone who's sensitive and gracious? You know, would people see you as more about serving others or looking out for yourself? I mean, does the reality of people's eternity even enter into your thinking, into any of the decisions that you make? Well, let's pray together. God, I just pray for us this morning. And most of all, me. That we would just be people who live our lives in such a way that it brings you glory. And God, I really believe that probably in this room, the majority of us, we really want that. We really do. And yet life is just so daily. And there's so many things and so many situations. And, and we can just so easily get our focus off of what's really important here. And so my prayer is, help us this week. Help us in the days ahead. To put your glory ahead of anything else. And I pray it in your name. Amen.